Welcome to the Not Your Average My podcast, where four Hmong American women working to move our community forward one conversation at a time. So tune in every month with Liz, Mania, Monica, and Katie as we dive into politics, pop culture, and all things related to being Hmong American. Let's get it! Welcome back, listeners, to Not Your Average My with Katie, Liz, Monica, and Mania. Today, we're dedicating our whole episode to talking about voting in this year's 2020 U.S. general elections. As you know, it is right around the corner on Tuesday, November 3rd. Let's get started. Thanks, Katie, for introducing this episode. We're super excited to talk to you all today about voting in 2020 and also the Democratic presidential ticket. Uh, There seems to be a lot of hope and energy around this year's general election, but we've also heard a lot of cynical comments from folks on the left and from non-voters, right? So we really want to hash that out and discuss with you all what our hot takes are. So we'll go go ahead and get started on that. What I really want to know is, do our votes really matter, especially when you can win the popular votes but lose the election as we saw in the 2016 presidential election? And I also um, have a confession to make, too, before we get started. Did you guys know that I didn't even start voting until, like, last year? And I'm like, no, hey, to my I, know, I was so surprised. I was so shocked. Like, what the heck? You got to explain yourself. To be fair, because, like, okay, I, I, like, it's really hard to vote when you're in the military. So I do I, I do totally want to, like, that. Yeah, because like I was like moving around so much to like where like my license and everything is expired because like in the military, you can have it expired as long as your home state knows about it and all of that stuff. And I was just like, I'm not going to because we we were we've been Minnesota residents since we he's been in the military. But that Uh was like over like 12 years that we're carrying around like an expired like license or anything like that, too. And we're just like, you know what? We're not going to like go home to renew this or like deal with any of that stuff. So so you didn't change your license when you move to the new location no like yeah you don't have to because it's like you know you can be a home resident and then like you can carry around your expired license plate as long as you have an active military id and that's what like protects us in this like little bubble thing and i was just like that's too much work to like register everywhere we go because we moved like every two to three years and -hmm. that would be like a new state and then you would pay like those state taxes and all of that too if you like lose your home of record so Mm -hmm. it was like really complicated and so to the point where i'm just like i'm too lazy and i did not vote until we came back to st paul and we reestablished ourselves here so i did vote this past year and this this past month too like august um so yeah that is my guilty confession so katie i gotta ask you what what do you have to say to folks who are (laughs) non-voters who might not like who might not have the complicated experience but i I was really surprised i mean what do you got to say to folks who who have reasons to not vote right Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I was just like, you know, it was so complicated and stuff. And my life was like a mess. And now I'm just like, wow, you know, I really just need to take advantage of my privilege because it's what it is and mm-hmm. my right to vote. And, you know, I mean, like I thought that it was going to be really complicated. But then when I came back into the States, like into, um, you know, Minnesota, and I was filling out for like my driver's license and stuff. And it's like, hey, do you want to, you know, do your mail thing, your voting mail crap at the same time? I'm like, oh, OK. All right. Let me just fill this out, too. And then, you know, like then I was like registered and I was like, OK, all right. 
now like the church down the street from me is like a voting polling <laughs> place. So like, I really don't have an excuse anymore. You know, so I'm like, all right, okay. So I'm gonna get my butt out there and just like vote. So I voted last year and I voted like, you know, last month and I continue, I plan to continue to vote. Okay, guys. So mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world, but I'm saying I'm well into my thirties. You just got to do it. It's going to take about like two minutes of your life. And then like, I normally go pretty early in the morning before mm-hmm. like the pandemic. And like, so they're like the voting lines weren't long or anything. And even if you were like went in, it only still took like maybe two minutes to vote anyways. So I'm just going to say, go out there and go vote guys. And it's never too late to vote. Mm-hmm. That is so a fact. proud of you. Yeah. That's my, um, if I was a candidate, <laughs> that would be my slogan. Never too late. I mean, so maybe we can talk about what you meant, Katie, by um, the do our votes really matter when you win the popular vote, but you lose the election? Like, mm-hmm. Liz, maybe do you want to explain that? I think we talked about this previously in our last and some of our previous episodes. Yeah, but- we talked about it a little bit. So I think a couple things, right? Like, first, yes. Um, we live in a representative democracy, not a direct democracy necessarily. So um, the top position, the president of the United States is not elected by the popular vote. Um, it's whoever gets the most electoral college votes. Um, and the electoral college is, um, I guess it's the system that the four, uh, founding fathers, our forefathers put in place because they didn't trust that uh, regular people would be educated enough to make uh, such an important decision to select our president um, for, you know, I think they were trying to uh, predict um, or pre- prevent or protect us from somebody like Donald Trump. Um, unfortunately, um, this or we try to keep him in, but yeah. Continue. No, no. I, I think seriously though, I think for them, like they they were they were saying at the time, right? Like not everyone had access to education, and um, you know there were a lot of people who were afraid of um, mob rule, right? Um, everyone knows Trump is a populist, and so I think um, this the electoral college was supposed to be a system that is designed to um, prevent, I guess, quote unquote. Um, you know, people who don't know what they're doing, or mm-hmm. maybe people who are not as educated um, from from like actually uh, exercising their full right to select, you know, our our greatest, um, like the, the the highest position in the land, right? But that all that is to say that um, yes, I think everybody should vote because um, of like other things is like. Uh, down ballot elections are also incredibly important, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, so this is why, even if, like, I know there, there, there are definitely like more people who come out and vote during presidential election years. Um, so people um, also talk about voting on the off years, and those are incredibly important because you're selecting people who like make decisions for your school board, um, you know, for uh, you know local taxes, etc. Um, yeah, and, and I, that that's actually really much more important, right? Because that directly affects people. Um, yeah, so, I was going to so say that have we have to clarify that for folks who might not be as informed, right? Because for congressional, state, and local elections, the candidates are like are elected directly by a popular vote. So it's so important yeah. to really vote during yes. the off years, even this year, yep. 2020, right? So for presidential yeah. election, for the president and the VP to be selected, they're not elected directly by the citizens, you know, they're elected by the electoral college, which Liz explained, but 
everything else is still very important. So I, I wanted to clarify that for folks who might not understand, you know, popular vote versus electoral college. Yes. Thank you, Maya. Very, very important distinction. Um, but that being said, right, like your your direct vote obviously does impact the um, the yep. electoral college vote as well, right? And so it's it's like diluted, but like incredibly important. Because if you don't vote, then like the other side is going to go vote, right? Mm-hmm. Like you you, you kind of – it's like a group project that everyone has to do. And this is a group project that you <laughs> actually have to contribute to, okay? Oh my God. So, yes. so then who are we supposed to vote for or who are we encouraging our listeners to vote for this year? Who are the candidates? Well, let's talk about – yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's talk about that. The 22 Democratic National Convention began on August 17th to August 20th. Former Vice President Joe Biden was officially nominated as the Democratic presidential nominee with with Senator Kamala Harris as the vice presidential nominee. I know Donald Trump is our current president, and we all know what he has been or not been doing for the past four years. And I want to know, who is he running against? Are you guys excited about the Democratic presidential ticket? And what are your reservations, if any? Monica, you want to get us started on that? <laughs> um, yeah. I So I think we briefly touched on this when we brought up, you know, our Not Your Average 2020 episode this mm-hmm. year. And we had all of the candidates that were still in the running for president, right? We had – you know, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Cory Booker, um, former secretary like Julian Castro. And it was such a diverse pool. Oh, and let's not forget Andrew Yang, everyone's favorite. <laughs> um, I mean, every so, person's you know, favorite. <laughs> yeah, like obviously, admittedly, and, and I know we said previous things in our last episode too about Joe Biden that, you know, he definitely wasn't our first choice, right? Yep. Definitely was not entirely excited about him. Like, I'm not going to be shy about that, right? I'm going to admit that. Um, but, you know, right now, he is our Democratic presidential nominee, right? Like Katie said. And honestly, I, I, I think this is the time when we all just have to rally together behind him. Sorry, y'all. There's a car, so I'm going to wait until it passes. But anyway, yeah, like I... I wasn't excited about Joe Biden first, um, and I was actually kind of a big fan of uh, Kamala Harris in the beginning. Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. Before I knew her track record about incarceration and um, how she, like, basically locked up black men in California and kept them there. Um, but, you know, yeah, I was a really big fan of hers, and I honestly wasn't really excited about Joe until he announced his um, – his uh un- until he announced Kamala as his running mate and I think that kind of sealed it for me I wasn't going to get involved this year either because of that lack of enthusiasm for him but um when Liz decided to uh head up among Americans for Biden which we can talk about um later I you know decided like again I think there's too much at stake this time around to just sit by especially because of all the things that have been happening this past year that has impacted our communities of color disproportionately. All that's to say is, you know, I would know he wasn't my first choice in the beginning. I know he wasn't a lot of people's first choice in the beginning. I know, I was say um, that. <laughs> but, you know, 
it is what it is right now. And the unfortunate reality is that we, our main collective goal right now, like what Liz said, our main group project right now is to fucking vote out Donald Trump, right? Mm -hmm. Because we know he's not good for us and our community. And that's the first thing we need to do. And so that when Joe Biden is in office um, with Kamala Harris as his uh, VP, then we can begin to make the change that we demand and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I think when I first started rallying behind Joe, I realized or, or I, I saw a bunch of people coming out to say, you know, a vote for Joe doesn't mean I'm going to stop holding them accountable, mm-hmm. right? A vote for Joe doesn't mean we're not going to still hold them to the highest standards and still make sure that they do what they promised us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's something to keep in mind. That's good. Monica, I was going to agree with you. I I was really disappointed. I think I mentioned this before. Like I was disappointed when we got to kind of like towards the end before DNC where we knew who was going to be who was going to win that nomination, right? Because I think that we mm-hmm. are in 2020. We, I, I felt like yeah. we were probably past, you know, just electing white men. Old white men, yeah. I thought we were past that. So how is it that a person of color is not, you know, is not, how, how come we're not continuing that um, to put people of color on the, on the presidential ticket? So when Kamala Harris came up, I mean, I honestly even with her track record, people are not perfect, but I feel like they are so very important to creating a landscape for change. Um, yep. Even with her track yep. record, I really loved her in the beginning. Um, and yep. I just feel like it's such a historic moment because we've never seen a Black or South, South Asian American woman being on a major party ticket in, in U.S. history, right? So I thought that a Joe was smart to put a person of color especially a black woman, because we need black women to vote like black women are, you know, are high turnout voters. Yeah, like Joe Biden in office. So I feel like that was a very smart move. And, um, and I, you know, and I think when people look at Kamala Harris, they can see themselves in her in some ways, right for for women of color for girls of color. So I'm excited about that. I would just say that I think you hit on a couple of key parts. Oh, my God, did you guys hear that horn? No. Oh, okay. That's good. No. There's a car outside too. Um, I would just say that I think you hit on, you know, a, a really key point that I, I, I want to uh, stress, which is um, that, you know, she's not perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say, you know, everyone quote unquote loved Obama because he was able to kind of build like a cult following, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Obama also wasn't perfect, right? Like, he Very definitely he actually deported like so many more people than um you know Trump yep. has, right? So I think when we think about, you know, who we love, who we like, et cetera, like I think we definitely hold women and women of color to a higher standard. So I just want folks to be mindful yes. of that. Mm-hmm. Um and so yes, like Obviously, you know, we have a problem with our criminal justice system. It's unfair. Um, you know, we need to change that, right? But um, that's a problem with both Trump and Biden. And, you know, people should vote for the person who they think will actually bring about reasonable change, right? And like, you know, enough change, right? And that is definitely not the current occupant of the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like supporting all all of the, you know, Maybe he's not the most exciting person. Maybe he's not people's like first choice, right? Um, obviously, um, if people want to, 
you know, vote for someone else still. Um, sure, but like in a two party system like ours, like you're totally also throwing away your vote. Um, and that's not helpful. And this is why they're putting like Kanye on the ticket um, in like certain oh, states, god. right? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, because so certain states out. have said, hey, yeah. you filed too late, but in other states, um, you know, like he is still going to be on the stupid ticket, right? Um, and, you know, it's very clear, like, who is behind that, right? There are Republican operatives working to get Kanye yeah. on those ballots. So um, just, like, a really important reminder about, like, what's at stake, which I think is a good segue to to what um, Monica wants to talk about, right? What, which is why, like, why is 2020 different? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, I think we can jump to that. I wanted to um, just highlight really quickly, like if folks still are on the fence, like um, Joe Biden's campaign definitely has a very thorough policy agenda for what his presidency would mean for the AAPI community. Um, So folks can go to his website, but I mean, really briefly, just like a brief summary. um, I mean, it basically means all of the things that benefited us during the Obama administration would now again be, um, Active, right, or, or re reactivated. Um, that means, um, you know, a, a better public health care system, right? Um, it means elevating API voices and more API representation in government. Um, it means investment in our students and teachers, right, um, who are API, and especially because we know as Hmong and Southeast Asian students, right, like we need um, additional resources, right, and. So he would also support data disaggregation. I mean, all of this is on his website. And of course, like, you know, um, other issues, you know, will also tie to climate change and his uh, fight against the National Rifle Association mm-hmm. and what that, mean, what that means about ending the gun violence epidemic and um, also what it means to support um, API immigrants, right, in our refugee communities and our undocumented communities. And so, yeah, like, I, I think that before these are just some of the reasons. Yeah. Like, before you move on, what is his, um, where can, what is his web address or where can we find his info at? <laughs> okay. So I, I'm, I'm not going to endorse him on behalf of Not Your Average My, but um, if anyone is well, like, listening. If I, we want to do our research yeah, and you we can, want to look up. Go to his page, joebiden.com slash highlights dash um, from Joe Biden's uh, agenda uh, for the Asian American Pacific Islander community. And you, you'll you find it um, immediately and you'll see a very thorough um, policy agenda for the API community and also another page that says highlights, like top highlights for the API community. Yes, Liz. What did, did you uh, I was going to say – I think the easier website is actually just apisforjoe.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done a really good job of leaning on affinity groups to translate uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's policy agenda uh, for the API community into various languages. Um, so Monica's being modest, but because our community um, is is uh, traditionally, right, like not a literate community because so many of our, um, you know, elders had their education disrupted. Our our culture and heritage is not like a written language, right? Like it's um, an oral, we have an oral tradition. So uh, Monica and um, our, our amazing team at Hmong Americans for Biden um, 
distilled the platform into a one pager and also made a video, which mm-hmm. um, we'll launch and we can share um, on the website and in our social media outlets. That's really exciting. Is that in English and Hmong or is that yes. just in English? Oh. Yes. It's in Monica's Both, Hmong. All of our policy parties um, have been translated into Hmong and the PSA is also Monica? in Hmong. I, vil- I voiced the video, oh, but um, yeah. the flyer and everything else, Jonathan helped um, create the flyer, the graphics for. Like He's an amazing graphic designer. And we um, relied so on was- our, our moms for the for the Hmong. Yeah, and our parents. Yeah, yeah Double and, check. Um, that is yeah. so awesome to hear, guys. Yeah, um, I I, I want to add on to what y'all have mentioned about how this year's election is really different and unique from previous elections. And I want us to kind of really get personal with our listeners, right? Because right now we know it's a tough time. Like we're in a global pandemic. Folks are still dying from COVID, you know, like nearly 6 million COVID cases right now in the U.S., over 180,000 deaths in the U.S., right? So we have that going on. We have the economic crisis, people still being unemployed, not being able to work, not being able to pay rent, you know, and put food on the table. So when when we talk about, like, what makes this year's election different, like, everything is like so much is at stake, like Monica had mentioned and somebody else had mentioned earlier. And I say this because, you know, I always think about this phrase, like the personal is political. Sometimes folks don't want to be political, but everything that you choose to do or choose to not do, it affects you and and folks in your community, your family. So when I think about this year, I'm like, gosh, everything is on the table. Like we have so much going on. And, you know, I'm sure we all know somebody who got laid off or who got furloughed because of, um, because of COVID, right? So when you're voting, you have to think about them. And I also want to talk about um, small business owners, right? Because yes, like even with the CARES Act and a, a subset of money that was supposed to go out to businesses, we saw that business owner, small business owners didn't see the benefits of that. Yep. Like yep. The, uh, mm-hmm. these large corporations got the bill out from, um, from this economic package from the CARES Act, right? So yep. I'm just like, gosh, like the people that that we know, or, you know, folks from our communities that have always been historically underserved, they are so continuing to struggle to face these struggles. So to me, I'm like, we need to vote people in who who have your interests and who will advocate for you and support you. Um, And then I think about, you know, I, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, but I watched Stockton on my mind. And I think about Mayor Michael Tubbs, right? Like grew up in Stockton, you know, they elected him and he has, he is so devoted. He and his team and the leadership are so devoted to bringing resources into Stockton when, when there's no investment in Stockton. So, you know, when I say that the personal is political, man, like when you vote people in who care about you, they're going to try to be innovative and bring these changes to your community so that high school students can go to college, that they get funding to go to college or that, you know, they're reducing this, like they're dismantling this prison to school to prison pipeline. Um, So, yeah, so I just kind of want us to kind of think about, you know, what's going on in our country right now. And I really get personal about that because there's so much at stake. And we know so many people within our families and communities who have been impacted by what's going on. 
That's yes. amazing. You guys don't even have to look far. Shoot, I, I filed for unemployment too. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like I, I literally no. did. Like when it hit, you know, because I also have a part time job, you know, and like, yeah, I mean, it's hard. So I've been on the receiving end. It's not like anyone, our families or strangers. That's me right here, mm-hmm. co host, you know, like mm-hmm. I understand that struggle and it is so important. And like I said, you know, I think like, one of like the biggest reasons why I didn't vote before was because I was never a part of a community. We were constantly mm-hmm. moving and we would never establish ourselves. Like you're in the military, you're on the base and you're, you don't have any of those. Um, you don't use a lot of those like city or like resources or anything like that. So like, I, I didn't really have a reason, but when I came back home, I knew this was home and this is my community and I wanted to be a part of it. And so I was like, Hey, you know, it's time for me to vote. And mm-hmm. I want to vote in people who actually cared about like, the schools and my in our communities, um, playgrounds and things like that. Um, I know it sounds really silly, but like one of the conversations me and my husband had was like, you know, um, you know, maybe with like all these like youth violence and stuff like that is uprising because there's less use of the wrecks and stuff like that that we were accustomed to in um, you know libraries and things like that. I'm like, well, you know we had that conversation. I'm like, well, that's why you vote because that's where that money goes. You know, we determine where that money yep, goes. Yep. And if you don't want to yep. vote, then it's going to be to those that who are vocal about their voice. And if that means I like, putting more money into police force and that's where it's going, if you want yep. to be, um, to go into the community centers, then you need to vote for that and put people in place to do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's so yeah. true. Like so many libraries in St. Paul were shut down because of budget cuts, you know, and, that's that's like a really interesting way to look at it, right? Because we're still investing so much in the police, which is another discussion. But I, I did also want to bring in that, right? Like um, we've also had family members and like friends um, with family members like who've died from COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. I mean, if, yep. like if school anything board member. like motivates you, right? Like it's just the incompetence or yes. like the lack of care, right? It's not even incompetence anymore because I think that suggests that like you care about you doing the wrong stuff, mm-hmm. right? But there's stuff that's come out saying, oh, well, we only need the electoral college votes from the red states. So who cares if people in the blue states die, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. that's ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? Because that would be unacceptable for for President Obama to say, well, you know, like people in Arkansas didn't vote for me, so I'm going to let them die, right? Or like people mm-hmm. in like Montana. Montana's probably better because they're actually black people in Arkansas, right? But, um, you know, like you would never hear them or like they, they – I would never think that they would say, oh, yeah, Montana doesn't matter to us. It's – those people are like disposable, right? Like mm-hmm. that is what makes me angry. Yeah, I'm I'm so pissed. And, you know, every time I read the news or listen to the news, my blood just fucking boils. And, mm. like, just the rhetoric and how the lack of the, the lack of accountability in terms of preventing COVID from from even getting to the point where it's gone, right? Or hearing from 45 and that, oh, like, oh, just take a miracle to, to eliminate or to cure COVID, which is not the fucking case. Like, you have to listen to public health experts. You have to take into account the science. You need to invest in building that public health infrastructure. And you see, you know, within the past months, like, we see these hospitals fighting for the, the equipment that's needed to help 
like help patients who come in who have been, you know, affected by COVID. And to me, I'm like, that just that is not acceptable. Like we should have been we as a country should have been doing more to prevent this from happening. Right. So to me, like, I'm just like, everything is at stake. And it fucking pisses me off when people don't want to vote or people don't care. Because I'm like, do you not see all of these families being separated at the southern border these kids living in cages like i think about our families living in the refugee camps right waiting for yep their paperwork to be a process waiting for them to be resettled to to acquire that refugee status and to me like when i think about everything that's happening i think about all of the all of the the poverty like the generational poverty that our families go through or all of the, you know, lack of resources that are invested in poor and, you know, Southeast Asian communities. So to me, I'm like, man, like you want, like folks just really need to understand the news. But then also, I think we mentioned this earlier about a group project, right? Like you're not voting for yourself. Like you're voting for, for you're everybody. You're voting for everyone who can't. Who can't, yep. right? Or like also yep. do your job in, in this group project to, for the larger interest of everyone in this country to benefit uh, uh, everyone be, uh, besides yourself. So, uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's my thought on, on what's going on in this country right now. Right. And I have to second that. It's not that you are voting for the resources that you need. Those are the resources that maybe your kids need, your parents need. Hey, you're young, you're healthy. You don't need those, but mm-hmm. everyone else you love needs it. Mm-hmm. So so make the right choice and vote because of love and vote like your lives matter because they freaking do. Yeah. Yep. I also want to say, like, honestly, though, like, for everyone who was happy to get the $1,200, right, had it been, you know, a Democratic president, you probably could have gotten, like, $2,400 or even Mm -hmm. more, right? Like, there are other countries, um, like, in Europe that are continuing to just give people, like, thousands of dollars a month as the pandemic continues because they understand that, you know, people have expenses, right? They have to continue paying rent, which – you know, like keeps the economy afloat because you pay rent, that's money into the system. You know, you're buying groceries, right? You're paying your bills. And like our government just refuses to do that because, oh no, it would like inflate, you know, like our 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 deficit or, you know, our debt. But like, I mean, these people are just honestly evil because they're willing to do that for corporations, right? They did yeah. that with the yep, all the airlines. Bill, right? Like, mm-hmm. no, no, but also even just, like, the tax bill that they, like, pushed through, right? And then they think people, like, don't remember, right? All these huge corporations got tax breaks, um, mm-hmm. and that's what we paid for as taxpayers, right? That's what inflated the, you know, the budget and a uh, deficit and the debt. Um, but they refused to do the same for regular people, right? Because regular people are not going to, you know, write big checks for their campaigns or, like, you know, push for them, right? Like that to me is like the most awful form of leadership. Right. And like what's yeah. so sad is that like people are complaining that um, these people on unemployment are making more than what they normally do. So it's like, is that really the problem? The problem really is that those people aren't making living wages, exactly. that their unemployment the check yep. is more. Exactly. And yep. it's like, yep. and then, you know, like here we are with politics and stuff and they're like, oh, they're, they don't deserve that amount of money they're making too much and it's because we're paying them they're sitting at home on their lazy butts instead of working but it's like you know like 
if they go to work and they die, what's going to happen? We're all disposable to everyone else who's in power. And that's what's really sad. And, you know, that's why, like, your voting power and, like, uniting for, like, a like a just cause is so important right now. And that's why 2020 matters so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the last piece on that, because I do labor and wages, is that also, right, like, I know people are complaining that, you know, while they're working, like they're not making as much as people who are on unemployment. But like the other problems, yes, our essential workers should be getting paid more, right? Like, you know, because there is something that exists called hazard pay, right? Like the fact that you're still going to your job, um, you know, running the grocery store, et cetera. Um, that's incredibly important. That's also something that like, you know, has been blocked by Republicans, right? Like they refuse, they don't think people deserve to get paid more for putting their Mm -hmm. life on the line to make sure that everyone else, you know, has some semblance of normalcy during this, right? Like that's the other thing. And I mean, I know that's what people are salty for because they're like, well, I'm, you know, I'm working, like, why am I not getting compensated? Like, you know, the Republicans are the ones blocking that, right? Like, because we do, like, Democrats, honestly, I will say, right, I know this is getting really partisan, but, like, there are Democratic members of Congress who've introduced bills saying, yeah, like, people working during a pandemic should get paid, mm-hmm. like, 20 25% more, right? So, Monica, we also really want to get your thoughts on this, right? So, uh, relating back to what we've been talking about, why do you feel like folks within our community are so – they find the Trump administration so appealing, like they still want to vote for him for another term. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? And, you know, maybe this has to do with, I don't know, like patriarchy and how they feel about that, or maybe how they feel about Black Lives Matter, you know? Yeah, I, you know, have been thinking about this for a long time. And I know we've discussed this on many occasions already. I think it's all of that. I think it's both. It's the sexism, the patriarchy and people's, I guess, I want to say, yeah, anti-blackness and the racism mm-hmm. that runs within um, the Asian community and the Hmong community specifically, because I think when they see Trump, they see a man in power, mm-hmm. not to mention a God dude, a white man in power who, you know, um, with all of our internalized racism, they probably feel is the only capable leader, right? Like I've had legit uncles come to my house at our party say, oh, we only can be led by um, men, you know, mm-hmm. like that's why Hillary Clinton lost. Mm-hmm. I would never have a woman of power. Exactly. You know? like, Which is so fucking for, sad when you yeah, have and they're not even old. Yeah. And they're not even. Yes. And these are dudes who have five Hmong little girl daughters. And I'm like, is right? this what you're raising your kids, your daughters to mm-hmm. think? that they can never achieve this because they're girls. Like, it is so freaking sad to me. So sad. It but is. I don't think they and think about that, you know? I, no, I don't Sorry. think they do. But that's the thing. Like, I, I I, don't know. I don't have the answers, but I really do think it's the idea of having this white man in power who I think they maybe see themselves in this just idea of control, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is, again, the root of patriarchy. Just having the ability to assert control over, you know, um, your female counterparts or, or what, what have you. Right. And, um, the distaste for black people and for brown, black and brown bodies. Right. And pe- among people who think we're better than, 
you know, black people, mm-hmm. or if we can succeed, or if we're the, you know, we're the good refugees, like we don't need the illegal refugees here, right? Quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why they s- support Trump. I, I don't know if that's the case, but I also am wondering, like, why is that so appealing to them? Because, you know, as we've talked about, Hmong people are undocumented people too, right? We were and we are still quote unquote illegals, right? We have Hmong people who are undocumented, right? We were illegals in Thailand. Um, we were just lucky enough to fucking get sent over here to the US because we fought for our right. And the rebellion or that people, we people fought for us. People, yeah, fought, people for fought for us. For us. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's why we forget. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm just like you know, we see the rebellion, the uprisings that the black community is going through right now against white supremacy and and all of the Hmong people, or not all, I should rephrase that. A lot of Hmong people are saying, oh, when will this madness stop? The fucking madness will stop when white supremacy stops, mm-hmm. right? Like the madness will stop when everyone learns to not fucking be anti-black or racist. And I, and I just wonder, you know, I want to like, ask our listeners, right? Like, how do we change these minds of these people in our communities, our families? Because these are our legit cousins, uncles, brothers, even who think Trump is this great person mm-hmm. who will lead us into the next fucking, I don't know, century. For And and they continue to justify everything that he's done. Yeah. And they continue to just turn a blind eye and act as if, you know, nothing has happened to our people, right? And they continue to act as if like, oh, Trump is keeping out all the quote unquote illegals. And I'm like, bitch, we are also illegals. So what are you talking about? I, I think as 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 immigrants, um, I want to say my psychoanalysis is that um, we want to be we want to be so like acculturated and so accepted, right? That we are going to buy into the white supremacy, right? And we're going to buy into the whiteness. And I think that is what a lot of our brothers and uncles see, right? Because it's not just the control, right? But it's that like, we are like, like, you know, we're accepted. We're we're willing to sell out, right, our history, and we're willing to sell out, I guess, the quote unquote bad refugees to be accepted, right? Because when mm-hmm. you think about it, right, like we are all related to the quote unquote bad refugees, like people who have records who could potentially be deported, right? We all know them, right? Like, um, and and and, and like you know, for some people, it's like, dude, like these are like your cousins, you know, like your own brothers, right? Like, and I think either people are unwilling to accept that or like, they're just like, well, you know, I'm in it for me, right? Like, so there's, there's that aspect too. I think that's a fantastic point and a really good perspective, but I do think it is also the, the perspective of, you know, they just want a man in power or, or maybe they can't oh, yeah, be sure. being a woman oh, in yeah, power. Definitely. Or, and, yeah. and there is real anti-blackness, like racism that yeah. runs through us. So I'm just like, you know, maybe to our listeners, like, I hope you are all checking in on your family members and doing your best to educate them or to make sure they're aware or to at least have the conversation because I'm afraid these people are going to vote wrong or they're going to vote for Trump. Um, and if we can't change those minds, like that's fine. So I hope I hope we can change other people's minds. But man, this is what I we mean by there's so much at stake because we know people who have died in this pandemic before the pandemic and will continue to die after the pandemic because of Trump's presidency, mm-hmm. right? 
I don't know, Minya, if you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, I was going to chime in because, you know, in one of our episodes uh, from the Black Lives Matter series with Yang, Yang talked about how it's hard when you are in these very under-resourced communities and you're fighting each other for the same resources, but you need to have yes. these conversations with your local elected officials and make sure that yep. if you want to see changes, you need to vote and you also need to have these conversations with them to have resources invested in your neighborhoods and your communities. Mm-hmm, and this mm-hmm. is why I want to, you know, really bring this full circle of saying like the personal is political, like your vote does matter and you are voting for people. You should be voting for people who will take care of you or who will try their best to really help these neighborhoods and communities out. Right. And thinking about, you know, the all of the anti-Black rhetoric and how people feel about the Black Lives Matter series, uh, Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, we, a lot of these things can be prevented if we really reduce the investment in law enforcement and actually redirect that funding to, to really under-resourced communities, right? Like, I think AOC talked about this and you know maybe somebody else had mentioned this but in white neighborhoods there's less policing and they have yep. different ways of disciplining their youth there's no you know school to prison pipeline and i was re-watching a walk to remember and I actually hate this movie now but <laughs> if you think about the white character he went to jail for one night and they had this whole plan to discipline him Regardless mm-hmm. of what he did, right? Being part of the school play, tutoring, disadvantaged kids, doing something else. And I'm like, he didn't freaking go to jail, like prison. But then if you were to look at a, you know, a neighborhood with predominantly people of color, that situation would have been so different. And I think this is what AOC mm-hmm. is talking about and that resources need to be similar and how you know, and how white neighborhood neighborhoods have created the system to discipline youth, right? So yes. that is all yes. to say, mm-hmm. right? Vote and for people who I, actually care about just you, just throw that statistics yep. in there. Black students are three times more likely than their, their white peers to get suspended and kicked yeah. out of school for things. Yep. Right. So, yep. Totally. I mean, and a I lot of that wanna, is okay, willful um, def- uh, defiance. So yeah. yeah. Right. Right. But I, I want to. Thank my Nia for giving me another lens to look at a walk to remember with because oh that gosh, is I can amazing. Never watch the, same, the movie, the same I, am, I, I know. love that movie. Oh my god! But no, you know, I can't. That, that is it. amazing deconstruction. I just want to give you props for that. When but the other thing me, is I right, was like, like what the fuck? I can't. But, I can't. I, I also I want to bring in the case of the little girl who the black girl who was put in jail because she couldn't finish her homework during oh, the yeah. pandemic. Right, yeah. like which is. Yeah completely insane because like you don't have resources and then um you know the white guy who kills two people is like oh yeah like i'm gonna give him leniency and give him a month to like find a lawyer and like to do all that right but our our justice system does not work mm-hmm. for people Let's, of color like we do you want to explain s- about the 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 white guy and the killing a little bit more in case fo- in case folks haven't heard about that sure so um very recently um these officers, I guess, responded to um, uh, a domestic incident, um, and this black man was trying to um, actually help resolve the conflict, it seems. Um, but uh, something happened. There was an altercation, so he was, like, running, and he was getting to his car, and he was shot in the back seven he times. He wasn't even running. He just walked away. Or, he walked oh, I guess he was walking. I didn't. I couldn't tell well, from he watching the video because I also kind of didn't want to watch the video. Um, yeah, I 
Yeah. But they shot him seven times. Luckily, he's still alive. He'll probably be paralyzed for the rest of his life. But because of that, right, like, um, there was it like uh, there was an uprising again in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and um, this seventeen seventeen year old white boy, um, and his mom drove from, from Illinois. Illinois with guns, or at least a gun for him, and I guess she dropped him off, and he went and um started shooting up people and killed two white guys um, and injured a third guy. Um, But then he, like, was not arrested, even though there were cops there at, you know, the the demonstrations. Um, He was able to drive home, go to bed, and then later turned himself in. Um, But because he's, you know, in Illinois, right, and he he missed his – court showing was not punished for that and was rewarded for not showing up to court by giving being given like a whole month to find counsel and then to come back right like but there are so many steps here where like if he were black he probably would have been arrested immediately right um and then also right he would have been reprimanded because they would have said oh well like you're not taking the court system seriously you didn't show up to you know your court hearing right like there's so much leniency for like white mediocrity i mean the same cops that shot that black man jacob black Mm -hmm. literally announced on national tv that or sorry jacob blake said those protesters probably wouldn't have died if they weren't out there protesting illegally Mm -hmm. like they legit said that instead of reprimanding but i'm like if this white boy hadn't driven from illinois They would still be alive. And now folks are claiming, oh, well, he shot them in self-defense. But I don't give a fuck about what those people are saying. All that is to say, this election is, yes, the most crucial election ever. And, like, even beyond Black Lives Matter, right, beyond all of the issues uh, with the pandemic, Trump has literally appointed so many federal judges, Mm -hmm. like one in four federal judges have been appointed by Donald Trump. And if we don't vote in Joe Biden, he will appoint the next couple of Supreme Court justices because Ruth um, RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, will probably not make it. Mm-hmm. Breyer, uh, Justice Breyer probably won't make it either. Mm-hmm. And that means they will literally control the outcome of all of our judicial like uh, proceedings for years because years – let me remind people, judicial appointments, federal judicial appointments are lifetime appointments. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means reproductive rights are on yep. the line, right? LGBTQ rights are on the line. Immigration rights are on the line. And something, you know, that I, I learned or I, I'm now trying to, like, um, understand as I start my classes, I'm in a reproductive justice rights class um, that I'm auditing through the law school. And... Um, our first class, our, the teacher, the professor had us um, analyze, like, in a white supremacist system, like, what are the ways that a white supremacist system continues to, um, you know, like, uh, it, I, I guess. To oppress um, women of to color. To oppress on our rights, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Or to oppress our rights. And um, she took the lens of that in her paper, rights are actually not an affirmative, it's more of an exclusionary thing where certain rights were given not to affirm you, but to exclude certain people out, right? So I was just so like mind fucked by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that that better. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Can you just like expound on that? 
Well, I think – Like give us an example. When she says um, that rights are not an affirmative, like, oh, you have the right to – Vote. Um, right to vote, vote. Or the right to a lawyer. That – like rights were actually more of an exclusionary thing, right? Like our founding fathers cre- created these rights to keep people out from doing – certain things, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or to keep certain communities out from doing things. And um, so like, for example, right, like, right. at the, the time, right to- if you mm-hmm. if you didn't own land, you couldn't vote, right? Right? Yeah, or if you were, yeah, or if, or if, if you were black, because you weren't a man, you were right, or if um, you're a woman, you can't vote, like rights were only given to men, right? And so um, all that is to say, again, like, voting in this election is so important. And um, it's not just the presidential candidates that you have to care about, but also everything that's happening at the local level, right? Like, for example, I know I've, I've talked a lot, but a really important ballot measure that is um, being voted on this year in California is the repeal of uh, Prop 209 in California, right? Which was actually the proposition that banned race conscious admissions. Um, so basically banned like an affirmative action approach. And basically, like disproportionately affected students of color going to college in California, and that has been in act like active since 1996, and over to like, dude, literally 20 years, almost 20 years later, now it's only being a repeal repealed. Mm-hmm. So I just really hope people are doing their research, and will take the time to go and vote. Um, so maybe someone else can talk about what people can do. To register. So to what do you need to do to vote? Like if you didn't know anything, if you were like the 30-year-old me who was voting, what do I need to do to vote? Yeah. So um, if you have questions um, or you don't know if you're registered or want to check about how to register, you can go to IWillVote.com and you can get stuff there. Um, I think you, I mean, everyone should also be able to go to um, their uh, Secretary of State's website. So so uh, contrary to the, you know, Federal Secretary of State, uh, Pompeo, um, every state has a Secretary of State who manages voting. Um, and their websites, um, I guess, vary depending on where you live. Some websites are easier to navigate than others. But uh, legally, right, your Secretary of State is supposed to tell you um you know, when when primaries are um, the last day that you can register the identification documents that you need to register and how to register, how to maybe get an absentee ballot or um, a mail-in ballot and, you know, all the questions that you might have. And um, just to also chime in, you know, you can vote early, like check out how things are in your county. Yes. But in some counties, you can avoid lines by voting early at a vote at a voting center. Um, so and then Vote by mail, like you can return your ballot at a ballot drop box at any polling place or vote center in the mail. I know that's a little bit problematic with how things are going right now, but there are so many different options to vote. So it's not just going going on the date and stay in line to cast your ballot, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that COVID, is really important though. Yes. Because yeah, because of COVID mania. Yeah, um, yeah. Like you said, folks should be prepared to have longer lines at the polls yeah. or just be prepared to mail in your ballot if you can. And I think that's what m- the Democratic um, Party is recommending if you are able to, to just to mail in your ballot to yes. avoid you know, catching 
uh, COVID and to avoid the long lines. But and again, like we said, um, if you don't have um, that, you know, maybe you don't know if you can take the time off to vote or if you don't know what your state rules are or your state laws are, just double check that. Like in Minnesota, we have same day voter registration and we don't you don't need to show your ID. You just need to verify your residence. Check out our website for more resources. And again, if you all have questions, comments, we'd love to hear from y'all. Or if you have suggestions about trolls or how to talk to your family members who are not on the same side as you, we would love to hear about it or your stories on our social media. So hit us up on Facebook and um, DM us or anything. Yeah, and let us know if you voted because, um, you know, who knows what they're, what they're going to do with the I voted stickers. So let us know and we'll hype you up. Tag us. Yes. Tag us yes. in the pictures yes. and we'll feature you on our social media. Yeah. Ooh, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Take everyone. Care. Bye. Bye, folks. Bye.